it was it needed to be not about us but about the kingdom and when you do that it becomes easier to have an extend because you're like oh well where can we plant seeds that may grow um may grow kingdom fruit and not kaleo fruit right, right. and that's what i think a lot of a lot of institutional churches struggle with is because it it and i totally understand the sentiment i totally understand the feeling um i've just tried really hard not to give into it and that is i want this fruit to reflect back on me um and that's my desire to have other people see me as having you know as as godly and as successful in the kingdom um but i think we have the most success when we're just like it doesn't matter if this ever reflects back on us or ever, if anybody ever knows um that we right. we planted these seeds Welcome to In the Room with Communitas North America. It's a time when we invite you to enter our world for a brief conversation and hear more about what we are passionate about as a missional and microchurch network. We also hope that these conversations will inspire you to think about new ways of being the church in North America. I am Leon Longard, the team lead for Communitas North America. My co-host in these conversations is James Cola. So grab yourself a favorite beverage, have a seat, and join us around the table. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to In the Room with Communitas North America. It's a, every other Tuesday night, we have this conversation on Facebook Live to invite people to just kind of enter into our world here some of the things we're passionate about some of the things that um, we see working well in missional church and micro churches and um, i'm leon james is here with me and james is going to introduce our guest hey guys our guest today is brent cola brent pastors a church in bakersfield california a church that i grew up in because brent's my dad <laughs> Um, and Brent is going to share with us today about, we've been talking about the six dynamics that we think are a huge part of healthy expression of church over the course of a couple months now. Yeah. Um, and two weeks ago, we were talking about the dynamics of hubbing and extending and Brent's going to talk to us a little bit about how Kaleo has expressed those dynamics. And, and Brent, you've been doing a bit of traveling uh, lately. We saw you in Denver, and then you took off right away and headed elsewhere. We'll talk about that part a little later because that's part of the story. But maybe before we get to the whole hub and extend part, let's talk a little bit about Kaleo itself. Can you kind of tell us the story of Kaleo? Yeah, we're we're coming up on 15 years now as a community, um, and it started um, – Really, I would say the the seed was planted by Communitas. I, I was doing some research for my senior pastor, and it was probably not quite 20 years ago, but 18, 17, 18 years ago. And I ran across uh, Communitas's website and just loved what they were doing. At the time, they were only in Western Europe. And the stories of the faith communities that were being planted there, how they were doing it, the heart for it. And... At the time, I lived in Oklahoma. Was on staff at a um, at a church there. Uh, 
it was very different, obviously, than, than middle America in that, you know, Europe is, is so post-Christian, post-modern. And, um, and I just had a longing and felt, um, really a pull to, to ministry in a place that, that wasn't as churched as where I was living at the time. And then, and then just loved the way they were doing, um, church planting. And so that, kind of stirred in my heart, this desire to do church planting. Um, we had been, the church I was on staff at, we had been part of uh, it in its uh, very early days. And so I had kind of seen a church grow and and knew what had it had done in my life and my family's life. And the power, I think, of a f- new and fresh expression of church. Uh, and because of that, I already was, you know, kind of teed up, um, to be excited for that um, really special thing that happens in church plants, right? It, they come in and they fill a need in a way that a lot of a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of mature churches can't because of the focus that <laughs> the focus shift that happens over the years, um, especially in in the institutional church of maintaining rather than rather than having an <laughs> extended impact, and so. Um, obviously, we'll talk about some of that. You guys talked about it some two weeks ago, um, of of how do you maintain that as a as a mature church? How do you maintain that outward focus? And so, um, just seeing that that community churches were doing that, so we were excited about them. Um, we were invited to be part of a church plant in Los Angeles that fell through for a number of reasons. Um, but because we had already committed to go, we kind of felt like okay, we had stepped out in faith, and that God hadn't retracted the call to plant and we wound up in Bakersfield, California. And um, we partnered with two organizations, Communitas being one of them. But at the time, we were one of two uh, missional initiatives in all of the U.S. for North or for Communitas, um, which was originally Christian Associates, because so many churches, all of their churches and all their focus had been in Western Europe at that point. Um, so we kind of felt like we were out on our own. So we partnered with an American church planting organization and the, there was a little bit of a values difference whereas Communitas really sees, it, sees itself and it has always been a missionary organization that plants churches. Um, this was more a church planting organization that was US centric and um, very much large launch, fast start kind of thing. So the values were kind of opposed to each other. It was a very unique start um, and not something I would do again um, it was just something that, that we wound up doing because we felt like going to Europe two, three times a year for leadership kind of things was not going to be something we could pull off. But, um, obviously this is the fact that we're meeting here and talking about Communitas North America <laughs> means that, that, that has shifted a ton. I would, I would yes. be much more excited to come on to Communitas North America in North America now than, than then. But there were a few of us that in the early days that were paving the way for that. So, um, yeah, so we started out kind of compromise to our original vision. We wanted to be a house church. My plan, I was an entrepreneur anyway, um, had done uh, graphics design. My thought was move to a new town, start a business, um, reach out to our neighbors, start a house church. And um, with partnering with the organization we did in the United States, they were really looking at a large launch. So we tried to do something that was in between that. And it just, the compromises made it not a good, not a good large launch, fast start church plant and not a good um, micro church, house church either. And so over the next four or five years, we adjusted back to what our original vision was. 
um, and have been, you know, just thrilled to to see what God has done with that ever since, you know, taking hold. And I think, I think the lesson for me in that was just having faith um, that God would provide what we needed with the vision that He had originally given us, and not. And there's stories like this over and over in the in the Bible, right, where people are like, "Okay, God, we know you want us to do this, but we don't know if you can really pull it off." So we're going to compromise on what you've given us and do something else. And so I think that, you know, that there's a small bit of that. that that's our story. And once we got back to the original vision of what God um, called us to, um, it's been really beautiful. And and I mean, such an honor and privilege to just be part of it, looking back over 15 years now um, to see the things that God has done in the community and in the times that we've been faithful to what he called us to be. So, yeah, so that's us. And and. You know, James is is one of the results of that. Yes, he, yes. While he's, he's my son, he grew up in Kaleo, and his vision for for church, um, you know, was was very much formed in that community. So, and what a privilege I think of the people that are in our community who have had an impact on his life that might not have in necessarily a, a big environment. You know, where he was, yeah, he would have been the senior pastor's kid, and all of the, you know, all the baggage that comes along with that stuff that what he grew up in was a family, a faith family, which is a lot different. So yep. very, very true to my experience. I love Kaleo and my wife and I both talk about missing it. And she's only been a part of it like three times. <laughs> so, yes. Um, yes. I was wondering Dad, if you could share just what are some of the qualities of Kaleo that you really value? So um, when we began to kind of readjust back to what we wanted to be, and I think all along our heart <coughs> was, and I think the core of what has helped us to see meaningful success in the ways that we have, the things I'm most proud of that have happened within our fellowship and happened because of the catalyst of our fellowship, um, have to do with the fact that we wanted the church to absolutely reflect kingdom values. And everybody understands kingdom values slightly differently. You know, you look at the APES scale and an apostolic person is going to talk about kingdom values radically different than an evangelist is going to talk about kingdom values. But to the degree, um, and we added APES into the mix. I won't go too deep into those weeds, but we added APES into the mix um, probably seven years into our existence, because that's when Alan really started talking about it more, and he had a great influence on me. He'd introduced the idea much earlier, but um, but uh, so to the degree that that who we were, we understood kingdom values. We reflected those kingdom values not by teaching about them primarily, but by making them a part of our patterns of being together and being. So when we launched before we what we what most people would call our launch, which would be our first official public gathering, we started doing what we called goings. And so we would go as a community and serve. So we were inviting people to be part of our fellowship by going to serve with us in the community. And that became a part of who we were as a church. So it was one Sunday a month instead of a gathering for worship and and digging into the word. It was going out into the community to serve. And so that set, like, this isn't just something we talk about or something we say, hey, on Sunday morning, go and do. But the main thing is show up on Sunday. No, on one of the Sundays a month, we would go and do. And we tried to do that with everything we did 
in the early days when even when I would thought, you know, when I would describe our vision as compromised because we were trying to do fast, large launch with microchurch, even the way we set up how we met, we met in a circle. There was not a stage for a worship band. Um, uh, they were a part of the mix in the circle. We sat at round tables. So even in our large, um, you know, when we met in a facility, not in our home, even in that, it was like, this is going to be conversational. This is going to be a family. This is going to be in the round. And so we we worshiped in the round. We taught in the round. And it and so I think one of the things that helped us stay true to our vision is that we said, hey, it's going, we're not just going to talk about the things that are important to us. We're going to be very intentional about them showing up in the patterns and ways that we uh, that we gather and the way we 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 are together. So whether that be in our in our pocketbook, you know, our bank account, or whether that be in our time together, or whether that be in the efforts that we made, um, they were all deeply reflective of the values that we held that we held close to us. And I think that that to me is the thing that has made Kaleo what it is. That one thing, because because the values are just the values of being a church. I would I would argue our values are are true to being a church. I I learn and grow all the time that oh we need to, you know as I as I grow <laughs> mature as a person we integrate more and more things that I I learn and grow. But but to the degree that I understand I understood what church should be, we were very intentional about not teaching that only and not figuring out how to teach it but we figured out how to make our, the way we do life together um, <clears throat> fit that, like be shaped by those things so that you would, even if we didn't say it, you would get it. Mm. That's just how, that's how we did life together. And we didn't have to say it. We did say it, um, but we didn't have to because it was how we did community together. If it was a value of ours, you saw it reflected in how we met. You would just show up mm. and know that this was important. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's immensely important. And most of us get this as parents because the, you know, do what I say, not what, do what I do, say not what I do. Everyone knows that doesn't work. Children tend to reflect who their parents are and they make the same mistakes and, and go down the same, you know, broken and toxic paths that their parents do because they do what they're largely do what their parents do, not what their parents say. And I think as communities of faith, it's the same, the same is true um, that, people get who we are not by what we say is important to us but by what we actually live out as being important to us so mm. Mm. that's good uh i would love to add to that if you don't mind yeah go for it i think one of the things i've seen kaleo adopt like semi recently is yes practice of check-in you guys do together where you'll dedicate yeah. a Sunday to giving everyone an opportunity to just express like where they're at, some emotions that they're feeling. And I've just seen Cleo practice shepherding one another in a really cool way that I think doesn't happen enough at church. Um, yeah. I just feel like that was a concrete example of Kaleo. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and <laughs> again, that will go back to my statement of, as I understand what it is to be a mature follower of Christ, those things tend to become a part of who we are. And that was something that was like, well, if, if this is important, it's going to be good. So as I went through um, a struggle in my own life, 
with depression and realizing that I needed to put some new practices in my life to be healthy, we just started integrating those in what we did as a fellowship. I knew I needed them, so I knew other people needed them too. Probably nobody <laughs> needed them as much as I did. <laughs> Um, to a large degree, I think God had me plant a church and he has me teach because he knows what I need to learn and what I need in a community, which um, feels a little selfish on the back end. I don't realize I'm doing it until I'm doing it. And I'm like, oh, God, thanks for you know directing me in this way and, and helping me create something that was healthy for me. But yeah, that's a huge one because I think emotional health is so important. And we are we are. You know, it's been said a lot of times, I don't know who originated it, but we're human beings, not human doings. And yeah. too often what we focus on is what we do. And I I was part of my, a very small part of, of the depression that I faced and the crisis that I faced um, some six, seven years ago was that I had not achieved what I felt like was expected of me or what God expected of me or others expected of me. And it was because I saw myself as what I had accomplished, what I did, not who I was. And coming to accept that God is not measuring my life on what I achieve for him, but on my relationship with him. Like it's, I'm longing to be with you. You become who I want you to be to the degree that you connect with me. Like that. that's it. It's the connection. It's trusting me. It's mm -hmm. being with me. It's knowing that I am that what I say about you is true. Um, it's believing that what I say about you is true. What God says about me is true. And um, not did I accomplish enough for him. And so as I became healthier, um, that changed the focus of some of our gatherings. And so, um, yeah, that the and and it's great because it becomes peer to peer, peer to peer uh, shepherding, as James said, so anyway, we could go into the weeds yeah. on that for a long time. Too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Not I think of, not the focus yeah. of what we're doing this morning. Yeah, but no, I think it's important because I think, um, yeah, what I hear in that is when we talk about church and communitas, we talk about you know transformative communion with God, and that second piece is whole life community. It's it seems like those are happening together, and the when you when you lead in that way, whole life community happens because it's coming out of your life and out of the life of everybody else. So the it's like, yeah, I think we all realize we're we're not all that far removed from like in a circle, we all share a lot together and a lot of experiences, and so creating community where you're like, yeah, you know what? I know I need this and I'm guessing other people need it too is, is so authentic in, in that, in that approach. Yeah. And yeah. then that, that creates a whole different view of our mission too, I think, and how we do it because it's no longer about just how many people can we get in the building, but it's how do we invite people into this whole life community that's happening? Um, but we are talking about hubbing and extending a little bit. And you were just on a trip, as I mentioned before. Um, and you can kind of tell us a little bit about where you went. And this will probably come out in this where, like, how did hub and extend start to express itself through Kaleo? Yeah, so it was one of our values from the get-go um, to plant churches that plant churches, which, which came from... Uh, really both the organizations that we planted with. That was certainly a part of what we talked about in the early days for what we talked about when we were having conversations with 
Christian Associates slash Communitas in those days. Um, but it came from the other organization that we planted with as well. And setting it in your DNA from the get-go that you're going to be a church that that exponentially expands, right? That plants churches that also plant churches. So you're thinking about from the get-go instead of saying, you know, we're going to mature first. And, and that's one of the things we talk about a lot in the dynamic adventure is that while a book follows an order because it has to, um, <laughs> right? I, there are pages you flip through and hub and extend comes at the end and it comes after maturing. It's we're never to look at these as that's why the knot works so well as a symbol right. within, within, um, uh, within that dynamic adventure. So, so part of it was just us from the get go saying, this is who we're going to be. Um, how that played out was a lot about, um, talking about that, um, with our fellowship, connecting with other organizations from the very beginning, rather than building our own thing, we tried to do things with other churches. So I talked about um, our goings rather than our ga gatherings, which came to be known as Gone for Good. We would have Gone for Good Sunday, um, not Gone Forever, but Gone to Do Good um, yeah. uh, Sunday. And um, we started doing that. I think the, f the first one we ever did was in community with another church which I have to admit as a leader and catalyst was a little intimidating because what if everybody who comes likes the other church better? Um, yep. That was a struggle. And I remember getting in and, and at some point it made more sense to, to get everyone together at their facility first and then go out. And I remember having like a lot, big check in my spirit, like, oh no, this is just going to become, we're going to be seen as their church. And I'm not like, our thing will never get off the ground because it's going to be, everybody's going to get plugged in there. Um, I love that um, in the hub and extend section of dynamic adventure, Rob Fairbanks talks about that very fear. Like, so I feel like, good, I'm not the only guy that like, who's like, ah, cause I feel, it feels very carnal and it, you know, feels yucky to admit that like, that was a struggle for me to meet at another church, but we just did. We, from the get go realized this is the kingdom of God and we're not going to, we're not going to fight to build an institution that lasts. We're only we're only gonna we're gonna only gonna put our efforts into building the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And to an extent, and and we don't talk about this ton. I got to talk about it this weekend with some with some friends um, uh, because we were in Spanish speaking country. So we were talking about words and what they mean. And we talked about kaleo, which kaleo just means called. It's the Greek word for called, and it's the root word for ecclesia, which is church. We translate church. And we named it that very intentionally because we didn't want to be anything but just ones who are called. Like our, who we are is people who are called into the family of God. And that family is not the institution that we create. It is at large, everything that God is doing in our community, in our city, in our state, around the world. And so we, even in choosing a name, we wanted to we wanted to make that important and that did not mean that i didn't struggle <laughs> like it didn't mean that i didn't struggle with is this thing and, I, and as i shared part of my struggle was have i done enough for god so i i wanted and there's still a piece of me that does want to see success because i define myself for that and i'm you know those are neural pathways that are just part of who i am and i'm trying to step out of those pathways and out of that way of thinking into new ways of thinking but there's the legacy old thinking that's there. And so I'm going to always have to struggle with it. It's not about building something that has my name on it that we can point to and say, see, Brent succeeded. Um, 
so we were very intentional, even against what felt <laughs> didn't feel good to me to do that. Like to say, hey, this isn't just going to be about our organization. If the if if God is doing something there, then we would be part of it. So we partnered with lots of other nonprofits and are gone for goods. We never went out and just did. Well, that's not true. For the first couple of years, we never went out and did something new on our own. We always joined with and partnered with another organization. And sometimes that was the city of Bakersfield. Like we actually partnered with not even faith-based organizations. Um, right. One of our early, early projects was to go in and uh, work to clean up a neighborhood that had been used as a dumping ground. That The alleys were at some points full of six feet of trash, you know, 10 feet across, six foot high, because everybody would just go into this neighborhood and dump stuff in the alleys. And so it literally was a dump in the center of town. Um, but people backyards all backed up to it. And so we went in with the city and cleaned that up and and with an, with another couple of churches. Um, mm -hmm. But we were partnering with with um, both faith based and not faith based nonprofit organizations, as well as um, uh, city and and county organizations as well, um, because it was it needed to be not about us, but about the kingdom. And when you do that it becomes easier to have an extend because you're like, oh, well, where can we plant seeds that may grow, um, may grow kingdom fruit and not kaleo fruit. Right. right. And that's what I think a lot of, a lot of institutional churches struggle with is because it, it, and I totally understand the sentiment. I totally understand the feeling. Um, I've just tried really hard not to give into it. And that is, I want this fruit to reflect back on me. Um, and that's my desire to have other people see me as having, you know, as as godly and as successful in the kingdom. Um, but I think we have the most success when we're just like, it doesn't matter if this ever reflects back on us or ever, if anybody ever knows um, that we right. we planted these seeds. So. Yeah. And what where were you? Just recently, I mean, how did how this? So yeah, so um, I was in Ecuador. I'm, you can see my. I brought back a uh, um, a hammock, which is laying over my chair in the background. You can see the right oh, there. sweet. Okay, cool. I'm really excited about my hammock. Uh, <laughs> which I said it was a present for my wife, but I just really wanted it. Um, <laughs> um, <coughs> but we went to Ecuador because we have really good friends there. Uh, Amy and Ismail... Uh, Cortez, who are a part of the Communitas family, planted a church in Ecuador four years ago. And we, myself and my daughter and two other families from our church all went down. Um, and, and the question was, oh, this is a missionary trip. And I was like, no, we're just going to be with friends. And which was true. We did just want to be with our friends and we wanted to meet their friends and their extended family, which is their church. And so it was a it was a trip to just go and, and love on them. And we actually took them out to the coast, got an Airbnb and went out to the coast because they have been struggling. It's been hard. And um, and what we hoped would happen is what they expressed in the end was like this, we desperately needed this. Like it's been a struggle as we've led this community and, and invested in marriages that were struggling and, um, uh, uh, drama that comes sometimes comes up in interfamily relationships and a lot of those kinds of things. They just had a lot of that. And, and COVID of course was so hard. Ecuador locked down very hard. So what a lot of people have experienced of just the loneliness and not being able to be with the people that you love was all part of what they had experienced. And so 
um, or what that community had experienced. So that was kind of what we wanted to do is go and encourage them. And, um, and they expressed that that's, that was the effect that it had for them. But from our side, we went to go be with our friends and that's what we did. And, yeah. and now we have lots of new friends too. So yeah, it was, a, it was an incredible time. We were there. Um, other people from our community were, were there, I think 10 days and we were there seven days, my daughter and myself. So. Mm. Cool. Dad, would you share with us a little bit of the process for Kaleo and for Amy and Ismail in church planning? Yeah. So Amy um, became part of our community. Um, we actually talked about it this weekend or this past week. It was right after she had graduated from college and she had started doing missions work um, uh, out of her church while she was in college in Ecuador. That birthed in herself and a couple other of her friends a desire to help college students in Ecuador. Um, so an organization called the University Project was born out of that. And Amy was one of uh, three or four leaders of that organization um, really when we met her, that was the, was the starting point of that. And um, she met an incredible young man in Ecuador, uh, Ismael, and um, they came back to the States, got married and became part of our community as he worked through the process to become a US citizen. And, and we're leading worship for us. And they're both very, very talented um, musically. And so they became a be beautiful part of our community. And as they started expressing a desire to go and live in Ecuador, um, again, uh, largely their intent was to go and manage the university project. And so um, just in my heart, I knew, I was like, they're going to have an interaction in the lives of these college students that nobody else is going to have. They were buying um, or renting a house there um, in Guayaquil, which is a, um, a university town in Ecuador. And they were going to have lots of students in and out of their house. And I was like, they have an opportunity to have an impact on these students' lives in a way that um, few other people ever will. Um, it's just such, uh, you know, a, a, I think a time of people deciding who they are when they're college students. I love college ministry for that reason. Um, and they're, and college students or young adults are so open to new ideas. And so I was like, what if this could be church? <laughs> and I knew it could be, um, but what if they would start seeing it that way? And so I broached the idea with Amy, who was like, I am not a pastor. No, we're not church planners, you know, and, and <laughs> the push that in Communitas we hear often, like this is not the thing that we want to do because people are thinking of the institution when they mm -hmm. think of church, um, not the ecclesial minimums as, um, <laughs> as, <laughs> as one of the authors of this book would say. Um, but like, what does it take to be church? Which is, you know, we introduced in the first chapter of dynamic adventure, actually in the introduction, which is communion, community and mission. Like those, that's the, if you have those three things, it can be church. And when you stop thinking about, starting an institution and start thinking about who, what Jesus followers can I do life with and live out community, community and mission, then that becomes church. And so that's, those were the early conversations and Steve Adams, who was on staff um, and was the director of uh, Latin American church planting at that point for us. Um, I, I remember we sat down at, at uh, BJ's restaurant and <coughs> had a very long conversation trying to convince them that they were church planters. 
Um, and we were like, if you don't want to use the word church planner, that's fine. All you're doing is, um, is amongst the students that you're with, uh, introducing the gospel in such a way that it's reproducible. And, and so I think God's people, when they're together, have certain things that they're called to do. And we spell that out with community, communion, and mission. And it was a really great conversation. I mean, I remember it vividly sitting, we were actually in the corner booth and um, it's been Amy, myself and Steve Adams and kind of seeing their eyes open to this could become church. And so that was in the early stages of them thinking about moving back. Um, they moved back and, and we're working with college students. Um, Marty Euler and myself went down four years ago and um, I have, I still remember that vividly sitting in their living room and we did an exercise that's in the introduction of dynamic adventure, which is, you know, what is church to you? And it was three college students. And we just talked about what, what are all the things that churches do and what are all the things that you wished churches did and what are all the things that churches could do? And we just filled them out, you know, and put, they have, they have big sliding glass doors that go out into their back patio. And we put all of these sticky notes all over those, 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 that patio door. And then it's three doors. And so we divided it into communion, community, and mission and just started moving stickers and looking at what that was. And at the end of it, um, I, I can't remember now, I was talking uh, to Raul the night that we left last last night, I guess it's so hard when you're flying. Um, we flew overnight. So uh, not last night, night before last. Um, and I couldn't remember if it was he or Bexy, two of the three students that were there, they were like, looked at the board when we were done dividing up and he goes, well, we could be a church. And I think Marty and I just couldn't contain our grins because we hadn't said that to the college students. Amy and Ismail, we'd flown in and they were like, okay, you guys planted this idea of we are church planters. So here you go. Here are our people. What are you do <laughs> and all three were believers, not necessarily mature believers, but all three were, were believers. And so we just laid that out and gave them this, like, what could the church be? And when you talk about what can the church be and what should the church be, even a non-believer could get excited about it. Like when you look at the positive impact that the church could have, I always loved um, uh, Bill Heibel said the church is the hope of the world. And it's one of the things that I think was um, just so powerful for me early, early, early in my ministry days is falling in love with the church. And it is the hope of the world. Um, the church, not meaning the institution, not mm -hmm. the buildings, not the paid staff, but the people of God on mission for God is the hope of the world. It's it's how it's how God chooses to act and move in this world. Um, and when individuals act, um, the best place they can act from is a community of faith that supports them and loves them and and challenges them as iron sharpening iron. Like when they when we live authentically, and someone can go, hey what you're doing is actually just puffing up yourself or what you're doing is actually you know, harmful and good at the same time. And let's, let's help you mature in such a way that you can do good without doing harm at the same time. And so um, I believe that truly. And, and when anybody talks about that, anybody believe it or not could get excited about what the church should be um, because it's a, it's generative community. I love, it's a kind of a new word that's the, or a new phrase that's going around. And I wish I could say, who came up with it, give credit where credit is due, but you guys can Google that. But the idea of generative community is life-giving community, and that's what the church is. I think that's what God intended it to be. And so they talked about that, and they were like, well, we could do that. And not only we could do that, but 
well, can we do that? <laughs> like they're looking now at Amy and Ismail, like, could we do this? And of course, I, I, I truly believe Amy and Ismail hadn't really talked to them about that. I could have that part wrong, but I don't think, I don't think there was any pre-discussion. It was like, here, Marty and Brent, you thought this was a good idea, <laughs> just figure it out. And it was that one exercise of saying, this is what the church could be, that like their eyes were opened. <laughs> Man, we could be this. So, so on Saturday night, I sat in that same living room with uh, probably 30 to 40 people. I don't know exactly what the number was, who had just spent the last hour um, making 400 sandwiches and bagging them up. And they spent their own money. Um, the average salary, I don't know if the average salary is exactly, but probably in their church, the, the average salary is probably around $400 a month. And and I went to the grocery store and was like, it's not a whole lot less expensive than it is here. Like, I'm to me, I'm just in awe that people are surviving in 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 Ecuador at some level. And I don't have a, de- a deep understanding of it. So don't, you know, don't argue with me because you'll win. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm saying... People gave sacrificially so that this event could happen. We made 400 sandwiches. 30 people sat in that same living room that we sat in four years ago where three college students and Amy and Ismail and one couple said we could be church. And we loaded all those churches, drove downtown to an area where they have a um, large, large homeless population, as most American cities do. The difference being the people on the streets are starving to death. Because there aren't, as I sat and talked with one of the guys as we walked around, um, one of their uh, one of their um, church family was asking me what it's like in America, and I was asking him what it's like there. And as I described the organizations in our community that serve the homeless population, his jaw was just dropping. He was like, "We have none of that. Like, there's there aren't organizations here that like unless the church is serving them, no one's serving them here." Mm. Um, and so they're out meeting a very real, very real need um, of bringing food out. And, and as they, as we walked around the city, people stopped and prayed and showed love and care and, um, and recognized the dignity of people that were otherwise just considered trash in that, in that, um, in that community, in that country. And it was absolutely beautiful. And it was, I mean, that's four years later. That, that that happened from these these students sitting in a room. And, and it all started with us saying to Amy and Ismail, no, church isn't, it, building church isn't something scary. You have to go get a degree. It's these minimum things. It's community, community, mission. It's a few believers on mission for God and just letting God do the rest. It's being obedient to who God called us to be together. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not, there's no huge credit in that for us. All we did was say, hey, this is, we corrected some thinking. And I think too many people think that church planting needs to have big dollars and and long educations and um, lots of, you know, you know, years of, of apprenticeship or something somewhere else. And it just, it doesn't require that. Church is simpler than that. And I think it, it can grow exponentially and, and does. If you look at the places where the church is growing, the fastest, it's growing in these small ways. Um, if you look at the church in Iraq, um, that's growing fast. If you look at church in Vietnam, if you look at the underground church in China, I mean, churches are growing. Churches are growing mm-hmm. exponentially on all these places. Um, 
I've had the privilege of being a part of church planting in, in Cuba, um, where they're doing planting from house to house and all these environments where the institutional church could not survive and would, is not welcome. The church is thriving. Mm -hmm. Um, and just helping people recognize that, that all of us carry in us the seed for kingdom growth. And after we become a follower of Christ and the kingdom starts to grow in us, the next thing is to, to pass that, that good news on to someone else. And when you have three or four people that are together carriers of the good news, um, you now have church. You yeah. just have to start living that out. So, mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so all we did was give permission. That was it. Like it was just, it was just helping them recognize you could do, you can be church. And then sitting down with three college students and saying, you can be church and not even saying it. They literally come to, came to that. <laughs> like they looked at it and were like, we could be church. And we're just like, like I, it, it was all I could do not to start jumping up and down and clapping in that living room. And then yeah. come back and see it have come to fruition. And it is such a be beautiful community. On Saturday night, we went out and and served in their in the city of Guayaquil downtown on Sunday night. Um, we literally danced and sang on their patio with 30 other people at the top of our lungs. Celebrate Jesus, celebrate. And I mean, it was just beautiful. And it was cool. it was just permission giving. That's what we did was permission yeah. giving. So yeah. what I what I like about that story, I remember a few weeks back, Mike Cooter telling the story of when him and Dudley Callison, our former president, were at a some type of gathering with a bunch of young people, and they're saying, "Hey, if if church could be anything, what would you know? What would you want to do?" And and people are just like, "Well, I do it this like," and people are like, "Can we?" And it seems like there it was that whole thing of, you know, everybody just wants permission for stuff, and you actually have seen that lived out, where this community that was birthed out of Kaleo and Bakersfield started with a few students and they were all just like, we can do that. It, it's yeah. like, they just had that permission to be something. <clears throat> and it's yep. just, that's cool. The way that works out. Yeah. So, so I probably should go into a little bit more of the steps and maybe we would have asked this question, but um, when we started talking to Amy and Ismail about that, he was in the process of getting his U S citizenship. And there's a number of months, I don't know the whole process, but you have to live in the state so long before you get it. And then you have to live in the state so long after. And I can't remember exactly how it works out, but he, they needed to be in the states. They couldn't live in Ecuador during that period. Mm -hmm. And so for us, I realized this is a great opportunity for us to be able to pour into them. And so we immediately brought them onto our leadership team. And I told them at the get go, I was like, you are here just so you can see what we're doing and learn what's good and what's not. I'm not saying that this is the model you should use. But if you're a part of everything that we're doing and all the discussions we're having about um, how we are a church, then you'll at least have like an idea of what that looks like. And so that was another piece of it, of inviting them to be a part of our leadership team, knowing knowing that they were going to leave. And I have to tell you, by the time they left, I was heartbroken that they were leaving. Like they were such an enormous asset to our to our congregation that letting um, letting them, letting them leave. We didn't let them leave. They were leaving along, but seeing them go <laughs> felt like death. Like it, there was, there was mm. some deep, deep, deep sadness in me because of what they brought to our team. And that's a part of this too. 
like that's a part of hubbing and extending is recognizing that your community is going to lose something that you covet for your community. Yeah. And that's okay. Yep. Um, that's good. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we wanted to see them on our community. <laughs> they became such a huge asset that, um, that it was really, really difficult to, to see them leave. Um, and that was good. And, and now, you know, four years later, you know, there's no more, there's no more sadness over it. There's only immense joy over it. But yeah. like for a while, it was just like, man, this is so hard. Like our community is lacking for, for, uh, because they left. Um, so yeah. So you got to let go of your best people. Like mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's, you've got to let go of the people who are, who are most ready to be an active part of your community um, and investing in others. Like I, I, when I was a small group leader, I, I had, I'd talk to people and try to encourage people who would come on and be small group leaders. And they were like, you know, we're, we're not really in need of a small group right now. We're in a really good place as a family. We're really healthy. Like we're, we're just doing well. And, and I'm like, right. That's, <laughs> that's what we, we need people who who have found some healing and found some stability to shepherd other people um, who are, who are in a place where they're, they are feeling, you know, unstable and they're hurting and all of us are there sometimes, right. Even as leaders, sometimes um, we are the people that are hurting and struggling, but um, we have to let go of the people who are, who we could most utilize because of, their stability and health in that moment. And that's, that's a tough thing to do. Mm -hmm. And you've got to, you've got to, you've got to just know that that's part of it from the get go and not be, and not hoard those resources. So, yeah. Um, I think it might be beneficial to take a second. I love those terms, community, community and mission. Can we elaborate on them a little bit? Yeah, I don't know. You guys didn't go into that much last week, I guess, or in two weeks ago, I guess. Um, I think we've touched. I think we've touched, we've on, touched it. on it. Yeah, in, yeah. So we in we say community is connecting with God, connecting us with God. Um, I'm sorry, communion, you know, communion is us with God. Yeah, yeah. Communion is us with us and God. Community is us together, and uh, mission is us towards the world. And so mm -hmm. it's an outward focus. That's very very simply put. Yeah, but. Um, it's very much, I've, and I've seen it worded so many different ways. This isn't unique to, to mm -hmm. Kaleo by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. Um, and I've heard it phrased very, very different inward, upward, outward, I think is, is one that I've heard kicked yeah, around. That young young youth, so a, church. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of different ways of doing that, but it's the, it's the, I say it's the three primary functions. That's the way I talk about community right. communication, the three, the three primary functions of the church. And I think without all three, you're not, I would argue that you're not quite what the Bible describes as church right? Um, without those three things happening. And so we talk a lot about missional initiatives in community or in communitas. Um, and that I think is what's happening leading up to what might become a church. So um, for Amy and Ismail, they were involved with university students in Ecuador and that was very much a missional initiative. They were, they were 
bringing the kingdom to bear in the lives of the students who they worked with, the university students who they worked with. But it, but those people gathered together didn't have the mission of living to connect with God, to connect with each other, and to connect with the community around them. Um, and and that's where you move from a missional initiative, I think, to a church. And the and the minimum is just that that those those are things that you see as as guiding principles or as functions of who you are together. Um, is to to do those three things. So I don't know if that covers a little bit. That's yeah. a really shallow look at it. But. I appreciate that. Um, we are running low on time, but I do, and I think you've touched on this a lot already in this conversation, but we can revisit some of the ideas. What practices prepared Kaleo to hub and, well, particularly to extend this way with Amy and Ismail? Yeah. Um, think uh, seeing every person in our church as the priesthood of the believer, right? Seeing every person as, as we don't have a divide between church and staff. So um, our teams are communion, community mission. And what was really cool was like four weeks ago, the church in Ecuador launched those teams. And so it was fun to see that reflected. Um, but we, we have organized probably now for five years around the principle of everyone's on a team. Everyone, if you're part of the church, um, like second grade and up, I remember the first time that we had um, in our home, we had a community meeting in the living room. We had a, the community meeting in the, in the dining room, the community meeting in the living room, the uh, mission team meeting in the front room. And one of the one of the people in that was Xander, who was like in fifth grade at the time or something, fourth, fourth, fifth grade. And he's giving his input. And and it was a recognition that every person here has something to offer to the growth of the church. There isn't there aren't leaders and non-leaders. Um, and, and it's I have a lot of old language and, I, and it's hard. And maybe you've watched me kind of struggle with the old language, especially you know saying things like you're giving away your best people, which is a terrible way of saying that. Um, but that, but, but it's a phrase that, that goes around, right? Um, yeah. There have been so many times in, in Kaleo's history that I was not on the list of their best people. Um, meaning I was not healthy, right? I was not in a healthy place. I was not in a stable place. I was, I was faking it well, but I was broken, broken, broken. Um, and so recognizing that, that, what Christ gave to every believer was a giftedness for building up the church, a pro apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. We all have that in us. And our maturity and our obedience to God determines how effective we can be at, the, at using the gifts that we were given. And at any given time for anyone, we may be struggling in some way that makes us ineffective. And it's about recognizing, um, helping to people to mature, um, inviting them into to trusting God in a way that allows us to obey him, because I think trust is what supersedes um, obedience. Um, and as the more we lead people there, the more we get 
to see their gifts flourish within the community. But it's recognizing mm -hmm. that everybody struggling or not has those gifts and looking at them and saying, how can we invite each person to use their gifts to build the body of Christ and to recognize that the body of Christ is the body of Christ and Christ is the head. And so constantly going back and saying, Jesus, what do you want to do? Listening exercises is a huge piece of that and um, allowing, allowing the risen Christ to lead our fellowship by listening to him, by teaching people to listen to him. Um, all those things um, prepare us to do that. And, and Claire has grown in that. That's not who we were in the beginning. As I have grown and matured and, and started to see the church, what I hope is more clearly, I won't be arrogant enough to say that I now understand it well or that everything I believe now is the right thing. The more I feel like God has revealed to me and the more confident I become in what the church is supposed to be, the more it starts to look like that. So that's not who we've been all along. And I wish it was. Yeah. Um, but that is who we are now, who we strive to be now. And I think it's important. And it is, we've always recognized that the priesthood of believer, my mature, my ability to recognize what that means has grown. But we've always said, hey, the Bible does say this, so we should believe it too. This isn't about staff or trained or ordained or, you know, it's, it's, those aren't the important things. The important things are trusting God enough to obey him and being in a place where you're emotionally healthy because you trust him and because you lived into healing, allowing, allowing the great healer, the great shepherd to heal you. Um, those things allow us to let our gifts flourish, but every person in your church has gifts to offer from mm -hmm. the youngest to the oldest, um, from the one that you think is the most broken and unstable to the one who appears to be the most um, stable and least broken the one who appears to be talented outwardly to the one who appears to have nothing to offer. I mean, the, the Bible over and over and over, it tells us that the ones that we value the least are who God is going to shock us with and value and values right. the most. Right. The kingdom is so upside down to what we think about. So as soon as we think we've got it figured out, God's going to flip it a little bit and say, well, it's not about you figuring it out. It's about me doing it and you obeying mm -hmm. me. In the midst of yeah. this. Cool. Cool. Wow. This is putting some good stuff, and I'm glad to see you had a chance to kind of see the the outgrowth of what you guys started seeding four years ago with uh, yeah. with Amy and Ismail to see now this group of thirty that's really carrying this stuff out and kind of really living out what you started in Kaleo as well. I mean, this really is the story of what we want to see happen with Hub and Extend. Um, more and more um, throughout North America and see more multiplication happening, but not just within the North America, but also extending into other continents and stuff like that yeah. too. Yeah. So it's been a great conversation and um, enjoyed it. Um, we hated seeing you leave a little early from uh, Connect, but I definitely knew it was worthwhile when I heard you were going down there. Um, and so thanks for taking this time as you're still kind of probably recovering from all flying. <laughs> Yeah, almost uh, mostly from about 4 a.m. <laughs> time in Ecuador to, to oh man, I think oh, it's when we got home last night, three o'clock last night or this morning. So yeah, yeah. So thanks for bearing with me. And if I was all over the place, it probably has nothing to do with being no tired. It was great. It was great. <laughs> it was great. Perfect. 
Hey, and so thanks everybody for watching too. And um, we will be back in two weeks. We're going to have John Rittner on talking about um, his experiences taking a church that was established and helping them make a transition to a more missional focus in um, in the under his leadership and kind of the lessons he learned along the way too um, with that. So join us in two weeks again. Um, but everybody have a good evening. All right, guys. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for In the Room with Communitas North America. In the show notes, you will find links to any resources we mentioned during the, our conversation. If you are interested in learning more about connecting and working with Communitas North America in our mission of starting and shaping faith communities that love like Jesus, click on the link for our website in the show notes to learn more and fill out the contact form. We hope you will be joining us again soon.